Hello and welcome to the Cutting of the Ball 202nd Extravaganza Cutting <laughs> the Ball in the Post to the Apocalypse. It's his 202nd episode. We were going to do something for 200, but we kind of forgot. Didn't we even mention it was 200? No, but I'm mentioning it now because oh. it's still a, it's a 202nd episode. And we remembered, and we remembered. Yay! And today we're going to mark this momentous occasion. Who are you? Well, I'm Ben. This is Mike. Hello. And Claire's over there. Hi. <laughs> I'm getting carried away. Man. Just the listeners. I'm, I'm so good I got to it. I got to it. <laughs> I'm professional. I'm excited. It's a 200 second episode. Hmm. Well, I'm going to spend most of this episode slating out Ron Hubbard because we're going to talk a bit about his life and Dianetics. And then next week we're going to go on full on Scientology, which I'll probably sit here and slate for another hour or so. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. It's a bit mumbo-jumbo, isn't it? Oh, God, Elrond's so full of shit. Although I have started calling him Elrond. Right. He should be Lafayette. He started to win me over at one point. Did he? <laughs> I was like, wow, maybe I do need to get audited. does no, no, uh, that's bullshit. You need 20 quid, I'll audit you. <laughs> no, not a fucking chance. Uh, <laughs> First of all, Mike, you're not trained. You don't have an E-meter. All of that will make one. Oh, great. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't be hard, can it? No. A couple of fairy bottles and. <laughs> I think you Paper need mache? Yeah. No. Right, uh, but we'll talk about that more next week. This week we're going to focus on Elron and Dianetics. Right, let's thank some new returning listeners and then we'll crack into it. Uh, where should I start? Itabashi Ku in Japan, Medina, Ohio, Junction City in Kansas. Chiswick in the United Kingdom, Frankfurt and Maine in Germany. Oh, Bones in Norway. Yeah. I like it. Well, it's got a weird little accent to it, so it could be Bones. Bones. But either way, it's about Bones good enough for me. Not going to pronounce the Hungarian one, but thanks for listening. Knife Reggie Hazard. Something like that. There's a lot of accents in that, don't know. A Sid Cup in the United Kingdom. Went straight down to Sid Cup. <laughs> Nairobi in Kenya. Boardman, Oregon, Bengaluru in India, Davis, California, London in the UK, Guadalajara, Spain, Madrid in Spain, and Ashburn, Virginia. Top. Top mm-hmm. listens this week. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you very much. Cheers. Right, now it's slag off our Ron Hubbard for a bit. A marvel in the lunacy, audacity, and barefaced lies that this man has and has told. I mean, part of me admires him. Let's just get that off the bat. So he's the one that thought it all up? He's the one that thought it all up. Mm-hmm. He's the space pope, if you will. Space Jesus, technically. Okay. He was a science fiction author, wasn't he? Most published author of all time. Most books published. And, and More trans- than Barbara Cartland. <laughs> More than Barbara Cartland. <laughs> wow, that's and, impressive. And translated into at least 50 languages. Okay. This guy churned out books, not very good books. Pum- I was say, got, yeah. yeah, what books? Normally, you know, you know, if it's high quantity, it's going to be low quality, isn't it? Like the Mills and Boom ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you got some sci-fi in there. You've got stuff like cowboy stuff. There's one called Buckskin Brigades. Right, okay. You know, thing, things like it's, it's just pulp, like a fifties magazine. Stories that got put into books. Right, think, okay. think of it like that. You know, amazing talent for writing. I mean, not saying any of it was any good, but amazing talent for writing nonetheless. So we should say he's got a good imagination, shall we say? He's excellent at writing. He's got a great imagination. He's excellent at embellishing yeah. detail, and he's so I love to- a fantastic liar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Tolkien. I love the way Tolkien creates the world. And well, it's amazing depth of it, but the writing style I can't stand. I hate it. It's boring. Is it? Yeah. No, have you ever tried reading? No, no. And the Hobbit when I was a kid, and it lost me when they all started talking elfish. <laughs> yeah, but you can't compare the two. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't compare the two. So in 1950, a bizarre self-help guide called Dianetics hit bookshelves across the United States, and over the next seven decades. Seven decades, 70 fucking years this has been around. Mm -hmm. This oddball philosophy would morph into Scientology, the infamous cult of engrams, e-meters and aliens, 
But while it's probably best known thanks to South Park and the ramblings of Tom Cruise, and actually the South Park episode was Oscar Isaacs was complaining, who was chef, and he quit the show because they were taking the piss out of Scientology, and then they made Chef a paedophile in retaliation. They made that, Chef a paedophile South Park. Yeah, yeah uh. I've seen that episode where they dubbed over him, didn't mm. they, and just... He just sounded terrible. And I was like, what's all this for? I thought, so, where's Chef gone? Moral of the story is, don't fuck with South Park. There we go. Don't fuck with Scientology either. No, don't, don't. And the ramblings of Tom Cruise, <laughs> on a Tom Cruise famous Scientology. This thing does get the stars, or some of the stars. Mainly because they're probably the only ones that can fucking afford it. Yeah. So Scientology is no joke. The group earns around $200 million annually, allegedly, imprisons wayward members, and will harass anyone deemed an enemy of the church, which will probably be us. We'll start getting harassed by Scientology people soon. I don't think we're big enough, to be fair. I'm trying to burst your bubble, but I don't think they're bothered about small fry like us. <laughs> they're bothered about everybody that makes fun of them. So, how did Scientology get started? Well, for that, you can blame a red-headed sci-fi writer named Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, or Elron, known affectionately to his followers as LRH. He went from pinning Pulp Fiction to running one of the biggest con jobs in American, oh, let's say, world history. The man allegedly once said, if you want to make any money, the only way to do it is to make a religion, so the government wouldn't take it no, anymore. Makes sense. Yeah. Some, uh, we then again, no businesses pay tax now anyway, do they? No. no. Giant corporations. But religion... Back in them days they did, but... That's it. In the 50s, um, in America, income tax rate, you were looking any for high earners, could be 70 to 90%. Yeah, corporation, wow. corporation tax was higher. They say that as the figure, but chances are it wasn't that high, but they still paid a lot more than they do now. Yeah. And During sh- World War Two, it was 99% in this country. That's because we need money. Yeah. Gotta keep churning them battleships and rifles and tanks. Ninety nine percent for the top earners. Yeah. Wasn't even worth it, was it? No. Or, um, you know. Over it's ninety nine percent over a certain amount. So say it's ninety nine percent over a million. So you pay normal tax up to the million, and then anything over that gets ninety nine percent. Yeah. Or you take all their money and accuse them of war profiteering. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> take it all. Take it all, they don't need it. They stole it off us anyway. That'll, that'll get a new Lancaster bomber and several Spitfires, that. Well, thank you very much. Actually, talking about that, do you know that you, the British public once made a Lancaster bomber purely by collecting the tin tops off milk bottles? I did they? No, there's, there's enough thrown away to build a bomber every year. Huh. So they were kept and uh, they would build that one bomber a year. LRH. Naturally, being such a larger-than-life figure, Hubbard's story is full of madness, misadventures, and untold truths. Or just a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Tiger King, doesn't it? Oh, fucking hell. Have you seen like, the second season of that yet? Not yet. Oh, that's even madder. I didn't think there was a story left to tell. I, I didn't know, because he's gone to jail, hasn't he? Turns out there's very much a story left to tell. So... L. Ron Hubbard dreamed up a religion involving an evil intergalactic emperor and extraterrestrial ghosts. He didn't just have a story about the creation of the world, though. Every other word that came out of his mouth was a half-truth or a hoax, especially when it came to his own life. In order to make himself seem more like a modern-day messiah, Hubbard had to beef up his autobiography. Beef? Beef it up. Because just being some kid from Montana who went to China once... Isn't enough. No. It's not enough. But a North Korean leader, you're going to be able to play golf for the first time and... His 18 holes, (laughs) never use the toilet, invent hamburgers. You're going to do all sorts of shit and the television. Yep. It's no good if you just... This is Lafayette, Ronald Hubbard from Montana. He went to China once. Went to China once. Although that did make him quite famous in Montana in the 1940s because obviously not many people got out of Montana. Mm. His dad was in the Navy, basically. He had a sort of trip from Washington all the way around the East and then back, so... Now, according to Hubbard, he was the youngest Eagle Scout in history. We can't actually confirm nor deny that one. Okay. He was an Eagle Scout, but whether he was the youngest in history, we don't know. Like most things come out of his mouth, it's usually expected to be utter crap. He said that his uncle, so his granddad had this massive family ranch in Montana. Quarter of the state 
by an age four while out there, he met a Blackfoot medicine man known as Old Jim, <laughs> shit you not, who made him a blood brother of the tribe because he saw wisdom beyond his years in young Lafayette L. Ronald Hubbard. Wow. By the age of eight, he was an accomplished cowboy and horsebreaker, cattle wrangler, all of that. By the age of eight, because he's working on this farm. Of course, Of course, yeah. he's impressive riding skills as well. Of course. Master anything that he puts his hand to, I suppose. Yeah, of course. He was mucking out then, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, mucking out. Mucking out. Now, this, uh, this grand tour of Asia, which is true, and he was visited China, and apparently he was a made a Lama priest, which must be some kind of uh, Chinese thing. We're talking in the 1940s here, so... Oh, so 50s even. So 30s? I mean, first half of I was born, like, 1911. So we're talking like the 1930s at this point, he's only a kid. He lived with Tibetan bandits, as you do, and he befriended Manchurian warlords <laughs> through... You remember that impressive horsemanship he learnt on the, on the ranch? Yeah. He impressed them with that. <laughs> because if you're a chubby, red-haired boy in 1920s, 1930s China, yeah, you're befriending local warlords, aren't you? I'm sure they're all very happy to see you. Who is he? The last samurai? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I can ride my horse better than you. <laughs> and this in a year, I can become a fully-fledged monk. <laughs> he also learned the language of an indigenous tribe in less than a, uh, a single night by lantern light. I heard that one as well. Learned a whole language in a night? In a night, by lantern light. Stayed up all night learning it. <laughs> Yeah. He even taught a South Pacific tribe not to worry about the monstrous rumblings coming from inside a cave as it was just an underground river. Not that anyone had ever gone down there to have a look, he had to tell them because he's so clever. Yeah. Of course. Mm. Now, needless to say, it is 99% um, nonsense. As I said, he did visit China but didn't like the place. In fact, one of his suggestions was that they should turn the Great Wall of China into a roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> Make millions doing that. Yeah, so he didn't like the place. We do know if they say we, the eagle worm scouts don't keep track of ages. Yeah, I bet, I bet they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that a youth organisation in a Western country has got a, a bunch of paedophiles in its leadership rest? Leadership oh, rest. <laughs> well, it certainly happens. I might be inferring. But I'm saying. <laughs> The Blackfoot claim is complete nonsense as the Blackfeet don't have a blood brother ritual. Nah. And the Hubbards didn't have a giant ranch. Uh, Elrond's granddad was a veterinarian. Lived in a shack. But the man's lies didn't stop with childhood. Uh, Hubbard would later say he was a nuclear physicist when in reality he couldn't even pass physics. Ah, uh, even I could pass physics, you gun. <laughs> That's why you're the science officer. <laughs> Sounds like a right narcissist. Like, you know... He's Got that many lies on top of lies, it's of course. You know, gr ideas of grandeur as well. Crikey. He, he lies to himself in his own journals. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the kind of pathological liar. As he was once called by a judge in a 1985 court case, he's a pathological liar. Mm -hmm. But he's also very clever. Mm. And he's got this gift for embellishment, for storytelling, and all right, that all does sound absolute bollocks. But in the 1950s, that's impressive. Oh. You know, I live with Tibetan bandits. I've befriended Manchurian warlords. I'm a fantastic ranch hand. I'm a cowboy. I can. I've been. You know, I told remember he had a great imagination as well. So he's, you know, almost embellishing his life just to just for the crack, isn't he? Yeah, because he was telling me that he's saying this before Scientology, Dianetics, and Scientology. This is like his bio. This is what he's. Mm. What he's put out. No one wants to admit that their life's dull and boring like everybody else. Yeah, he was actually had a. Compared to a lot of cult leaders, he had a really good childhood. I mean, he was like the beloved little boy. You know, I mean, when his mother washed his mouth out with soap once, his aunts got together, held his mother down, and washed her mouth out with soap because how could she do that to little Ronald? Mm -hmm. He's such a good boy. I got threatened with that once. By a teacher at school, primary school. It? Yeah, she took me to the bathroom and everything. Yeah, got well, the soap in hand. What you do is you flip it, reverse it, use some chaos magic, and just learn to enjoy the taste <laughs> of it. So it's, she's actually feeding you. 
Yeah, I never saw in class again though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and it worked! <laughs> Alright, uh, let's go on to the next chapter of his lives. And from 1941 to 1950, Elrond served as a, a lieutenant with the US Navy, US Naval Reserve. A lieutenant then? Lieutenant. No, oh, lieutenant, you're right. I went all British then for a moment. Lieutenant. And he got through this, this position because he was buddies with a congressman. This is like his drinking buddy that lived close by in Montana. So he got promoted. Yeah, I could imagine a Trump kind of like senator. Was it senator, did you say? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I can imagine them two getting on famously, wouldn't they? Mm. <laughs> He's in his uh, 20s at this point, remember? Early 20s, late teens even. Mm. And that's the best thing about this is he went on to say. Well, no, sorry, I'm missing a chunk here. Before he did this, he claimed he was in his Explorers Club. Using, and he basically got in there by lying. That's where he made contacts with this congressman. And he ends up as a, a lieutenant in the US Navy for World War II. Now, Elrond will tell you in his official biography will state that he served in all theatres of war and won 23 medals, including a Purple Heart and a few for bravery. In reality, he got three and no participation medals. Uh. And he only served off the coast of the US. And he was in the reserves? He was a reservist. But then it's wartime, so they're mobilised. And he was given command of a little destroyer hunter boat. Not very big. You know, tiny little thing. Got some death charges and sonar on it. Just patrolling along the coast of um, Western USA. Is he not old enough to be called up properly or something? Gets into the reserve, he's not going to get called up properly. Yeah. Ah, crafty. Yeah. Ah, is that what you did? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have the draft. <laughs> and of course, he's the, he was the finest naval officer in, in US history, if you hear Elrond talk. No, he was terrible. Mostly a desk jockey. And of course, that's cool, that's wonderful, if that's the way you choose to serve. But no, he was there because he was incompetent, huh. as we shall find out shortly. Oh, sorry, he claimed he earned 21 medals, including the Purple Heart, and he received four non-combat medals for participation purposes that everybody gets, you know? Mm. Just for showing up, innit? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's probably... Got to keep him incentivised a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so he even spent two days chasing the Japanese off the Oregon coast, commanding a submarine hunter. He was patrolling the Pacific when he thought he encountered two enemy submarines. His sonar's pinging... So he starts launching depth charges, right and left. He uses up all his depth charges, he calls some more ammo. He uses all of that up, he calls some more. Eventually, he's going through so many of these depth charges that the Admiral in charge <laughs> is like, why the hell is this tiny little sub-hunter going through my stock of depth charges like there's literally a massive invasion happening? Uh. They find out that basically there wasn't any submarines, he'd just been battling a magnetic deposit on the bottom of the sea and his sonar been pinging up, and a well-known magnetic deposit oh, no. on the bottom of the sea. Shockingly, he would then top his own stupidity. In 1943, he almost started a war with Mexico. Who <laughs> <laughs> is he, Mr. Bean? <laughs> yes, it's like if Mr. Bean joined the US Navy. I think there was a show called McHale's Navy, which was a bit like this. It was mm. an American sort of primetime show where everyone was a goofball on the ship, you know, that mm. kind of thing. He unwittingly took his ship into Mexican waters and began firing near the Coronado Islands. Fucking hell. Just, I presume, just to see if his gun worked and maybe to <laughs> test out his men's gunnery skills. I don't know. He's just firing away at this island. <laughs> Little knowing that there is members of the Mexican Navy on the islands and some shells were reported to hit the land. <laughs> After the incident, the Mexican military said they would sink the next ship that sailed into their territory and <laughs> Hubbard was relieved of his command. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it's about time, isn't it? It's insanity, isn't it? He's shockingly bad at his job. This is his chance, isn't he? He's been telling these tales all of his life about what a competent, manly man he is. And he gets his chance. And he blows it twice. Doesn't he? I mean, the first one is like, everyone knows that's there, why don't you? <laughs> and the second is, why the fuck are you firing random shots? Number one, at Mexico. Yeah. I didn't know I was in Mexico. Why are you firing the gun if you don't need to? 
people around him saying? Are they not? He's in charge. He's bringing it up like, boss. Uh, we know that's a magnetic anomaly on the on the you know the sea floor. Chances are someone probably did try to tell him, but then again, you also this is a naval thing. Maybe he wasn't listening on the briefings. Maybe they didn't. This is a reserve, isn't it? So maybe they're not the best trained. He certainly isn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he just thought he was so good he didn't need to listen. Come in his ears. Come in his ears. <laughs> <laughs> he might have had come in his ears. <laughs> he was on a naval boat in the 40s. I'd imagine there was a lot of people coming their ears. You know, the Navy. Is, the Navy. Is most known for homosexual activity. Because you're on that boat for such a long time. Maybe. With only men. I think, I think that's just a stereotype, isn't it? Well, like, I'm just saying, it's certainly all right. If it is a stereotype, I don't want to offend anyone that was in the Navy or is what well, is serving now. I'm sure you might have a couple of serving listeners. I'm not saying that you're all gay, obviously, but if you want to be, that's fine too. Just saying that there's always been that reputation, hasn't there? Is that, is that fair to say the stereotype? It is the stereotype. Yeah. So Jack wouldn't have worked it otherwise, would it? Very true. All he did get from the Navy was a stomach ulcer. He didn't get a purple heart for getting a stomach ulcer. Probably because of stress, because he was so shit at his job, I'd imagine. <laughs> he carried that grift on for a long time. In the years when he wasn't so well off between the war and writing his first book, he'd be at the Naval Board every other week saying, oh, I've got this neck pain, I've got this stomach ulcer, I've got a bad leg. Basically grifting money off them because he's a veteran. Mm. And then while he created one of the, the world's largest cults, Elron uh, suffered from self-esteem issues. Especially during the 40s, when obviously he'd had a disastrous war and he was skint. He hoped to boost his confidence, so he started to write the world's weirdest diary, known as his Affirmations, or the Admissions. Now, these writings contain some pretty twisted platitudes, lines that Hubbard most likely recorded on tape, then listened to as some part of bizarre magical self-help ritual. We'll get into his magic doing shortly. Oh, okay. Okay. Granted, it's not 100% confirmed that he wrote these, but the church is, and the church has done its best to keep the documents a secret. The group has never denied the documents were real. And in fact, an attorney working for Hubbard's wife basically admitted Hubbard was the mastermind of these horribly awkward admissions. Mm. What exactly was he writing? Well, some of the stranger lines read, and it is a quote, I can have no doubts in my psychic powers. Oh, fuck. You can sing beautifully. Your voice can imitate any singer. Men are your slaves. Elemental spirits are your slaves. You will live to be 200 years old. Uh, I didn't get that one right, did he? Yeah, a lot of <laughs> sex stuff. Because he was quite a notorious fucker. He was a bigamist as well. Abandoned his two children from his first marriage and his wife and then got married to someone else. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree in some respect these affirmations were because it's all about your thinking. Thinking patterns. Yeah, they, yeah. they say when people are depressed, you know, you have bad thinking patterns and you can change it by affirm positive affirmations. That's mm -hmm. uh, basically just... It's like rewiring your brain. What's it, it called? There's a particular thing they tried to give it to me and it didn't work for me. CBT? That's it, cognitive behavioural therapy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was too complicated for me, that was. It's like, ah, I'm all right. I just yeah. need to talk this out. But there's a difference from trying to boost your self-confidence by affirmations, sort of saying, you know, um, I am worthwhile and I'm a good person or whatever, to saying, I have no doubts in my psychic powers. <laughs> it's not going to give you psychic powers no. just because you keep saying it to yourself. You're not going to live to 200 just because you keep saying it. Well, with the next one, you're as sensitive and sexy as Pan. <laughs> Pan? Pan, the Greek god? Yeah. Pan, is he the goat leg guy? Yeah, with the f magic flute. Is he got a magic flute? I think it's a harp. He might have a magic flute, he is half goat. <sighs> They're just so grand, his ideas, aren't they? He's, like, he's really out there. What about um, on singing to women, for you sing like a master, destroys their will to resist? Your sexual power is magnificent yeah. and they know it if they are afraid of it. That is their loss, you are not affected by it. He's too sexy for women. So if a woman rejects oh, him, it's because he's too sexy. <laughs> it's because they can sense his raw sexual magnetism and they're like repulsed by it because it's too raw and sexual. Oh, I could just imagine meeting this guy. He'd be a dick, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know it. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Yeah. 
But for all his faith in his manly abilities, he did admit that he suffered from an incredibly low libido and that he wanted to use self-hypnotism to restore his potency. I bet he did restore it with Dianetics. I mean, he claimed he took a bomb to the face in the war to heal himself using Scientology and Dianetics. Fuck. So he was also a magician who tried to create the Antichrist. Oh, here we go. This is where <laughs> you get... This is this is amazing. This is, I don't know why he's embellishing this shit. Yeah. So, let's get into some of his magical stuff, because this is my favourite bit then. Right, so I've got to tell you about Jack Parsons. He was a key figure in the story of space travel. He invented solid rocket fuel and co-founded the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which was one of the most important organisations in NASA history. Yeah. Um, also an explosives expert. Nice. Also, he was a follower of Alexander Crowley. He, he was a sex magic practitioner and working his way higher and higher in the Ordo Templi Orientis, which was a society led by Alistair Crowley. I thought he was the Golden Dawn. He did a couple. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. When, uh, Relighted, be, because, he? <laughs> because he was... Yes, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is one of Crowley's, but he also formed the or he was head of the Ordo Templar Orientis. He was given that as a master. Right. So Parsons used the cash he made from selling rockets to buy a mansion nicknamed the Parsonage. This is where he did all of his uh, occult shit, the Parsonage, which I, I love. Yeah. The place became a hangout for all sorts of weirdos, sci-fi writers, witches, nuclear scientists, and into this magical oh. madness. <laughs> Hang on a minute, you just glossed over that. Hey. A hangout for sci-fi writers, witches, and nuclear scientists. Can yeah. you imagine that? <laughs> what a fucking party that would be! <laughs> what an eclectic group of he's mixing, But he's mixing in both worlds, isn't he? This guy's a highly respected NASA scientist. Yeah. So he's meeting all the nuclear people. He's just got this fucking mansion called the Parsons. He's doing sex magic. He's a groovy dude. He's a rocket scientist, explosive expert, and Satanist. What more do you want? And what a party! <laughs> and into this magical madness, L. Ron Hubbard walked, ready to make something supernatural happen. Now, him and Parsons set off immediately, and the two decided to do a heavy-duty ritual called the Babylon Working, or the Moon Child. What's all that about, then? It's the plan is to summon the goddess Babylon, a.k.a. the Scarlet Woman, a powerful entity that would give birth to the Antichrist. Ooh. Crowley wanted to do this, but he could never find the Scarlet Woman. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Why did you just put the name in the ads? <laughs> he met many women over his life, but he never he met a few he thought might be, but they, for whatever reason, just weren't. This is the woman, they'd do some ritual, and this woman would come into their lives, and she would be the Scarlet Woman. That Maybe end, she did, and they, they missed her. Maybe they explained Maybe. it to her and she went, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> more like, that's probably more like a reason. Yeah. yeah. The plan was to summon her. The unusual experiment involved Hubbard chanting while Parsons uh, basically just jacked off. <laughs> and the two also performed spells involving swords and animal blood until one day a woman called Marjorie Cameron arrived at the parsonage. And Parsons was convinced this was a Scarlet Woman, so he began sleeping with her as Hubbard stood by reciting magical phrases in the hopes of impregnating Cameron with the fabled Moonchild. Fucking hell. Right. Disturbing that people believe this shit, innit? You mean like NASA scientists? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Of course, they, it never happened. The magical partnership majorly backfired when Jack Parsons' actual girlfriend, Sarah Northrup, fell in love with Hubbard. Fucking hell. <laughs> they have this whole thing where he's doing all this with her while Hubbard chants and fucks Jack's girlfriend because it's sex magic. Mm -hmm. I don't want some fucking guy there chanting while I'm trying to have sex with my woman. What the hell's going on? To conceive the moon child, Mike, the Antichrist. There's got to be drugs gonna, involved in yeah. there. Surely. It's, it's going to affect his performance a bit, isn't it? <laughs> Surely. <laughs> While a chubby red-haired man does magical <laughs> chants and you, while you're trying to bang Let the Scarlet Woman. Let in a second, will you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> so him and Sarah get together, 
right? Old Ron and Sarah, which is Jack Parsons' ex-girlfriend, get together, and they're still all living in the same fucking house. Okay. Right? Because in the Ordo Templar Orientis, it's the whole, you know, it's just... It's almost like you, that's happened for a reason, let it go, kind of thing. It's like it's like the Jedi in a way. Don't have possessions, don't have relationships, but it's still his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But he has to act like everything's cool because of the OTO teachings. Okay. Didn't they go around everywhere together? Yeah, these the two. The three of them. Yeah, they go out. And they're like, even on like an airplane, and they do the Mile High Club in the bathroom. Possibly. And he has to stand there and start chanting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, they've just done the Moonchild ritual, which is a really complicated ritual. It's seen as one of the highest rituals that can be. And then Hubbard says, hey, Jack, I've got an idea. How about me, you, Sarah, we go into business flipping yachts? Sell, buying and selling yachts. Wow, that's just a bit of a turn. <laughs> it's a bit, it's been a turn around, isn't it? And he's like, as he's the only one with any fucking money, he's like, oh, you know, we see 20 grand, I'll make you double back on that, it'll be a profit. Well, me and Sarah will go to Florida. Start sniffing around, look for a yacht, we'll buy it, we'll bring it back. Well, this is going badly, isn't it? Yeah. So he actually went down, he didn't hear anything from them, they were in Miami. No shit. He went down there. So it was like a case of, oh, hi, Jack. Yeah, uh, the yacht's right over here. Yeah, we'll bring it round. We'll bring it round, you stay there. And then he just had to watch them sail laughing. <laughs> <laughs> What an idiot. He then, for some reason, he'd taken his magical robes with him, so he went back to the hotel and he cast various curses against the pair of them. Or masturbating furiously on that. Possibly, one. yes. Although, weirdly, you know, Jack Parsons later died after an explosion in his garage. He was tinkering with uh, something or other, and he had some nitroglycerin in his garage, and something set it off, and he was killed in an explosion. Or some say a magical attack, because Jack Parsons being the foremost, one of the foremost explosives experts on the planet, wouldn't have made that mistake. <laughs> wouldn't he? No. Is it a magical attack? I think the more you knock around explosives, the more chance <laughs> yeah. you've got of, you know, yeah. being blown up by him. And if he was taking a lot of drugs and stuff at the time. But possibly his girlfriend just left him for the rail run. Yeah, so again, he could have been emotionally distressed, made mistakes. Well, or it was a magical attack. Or a missile. Or a magical attack. You buying a magic attack no, there? No, it's not. <laughs> was already there, yeah. you know, it's... No. Magic nitroglycerine. Magic with a K, remember? Let's talk about, let's move on a little bit to Scientology and specifically Dianetics. So Christianity has the crucifix, Islam has prayer rugs, and Scientology has the E-meter, a device that's essentially a souped-up lie detector. Now, the whole goal of Dianetics and Scientology is to reach a level of enlightenment called clear, and once you're there, you're supposed to become superhuman, free of physical and psychological illness. It's not bad, is it? No, sounds good. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Is he getting to you? <laughs> you think you are like Elrond? Well, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to become superhuman just by using a little meter? Yeah, go on. No, the e meter's just just testing how how far you've come. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, if you've got rid of any of your um, engrams. I thought it was a practice you just did over and over again until you become clear. It is, but you start to get audited. And you'll never become clear because you have to pay a certain amount of money to go up to the next level. I know, but you can understand why it sounds attractive, doesn't it? You know, I want to be free of physical and psychological illness. Who doesn't? Well, right. No one, because that, that would make those boring then. Why would be boring? And pain gives focus, it gives clarity. Oh, my back's a bit sore. Well, I know I'm alive today. Yeah. No. Work will set you free, eh, will it be? It will. quote Yoda, pain leads to suffering. Yeah. Yeah, and then the dark side. Oh, there we go then. Yeah, but if you're too free, if you're free of everything, where's the, where's the fun? Mm, that's got, you know, trials and tribulations in life, aren't they? Are you trying to tell me you wouldn't rather be superhuman? <laughs> well, alright, that bit's pretty funky, isn't it? Yeah, you never get ill again, you never get depressed. Now, how'd you learn if, you never, if you've got no psychological problems? Doesn't matter, you're superhuman. How did this guy invent... Well, you're going to punch aliens! <laughs> how did they invent this e-meter, then? 
Well, obviously he did. Okay. It doesn't work, Claire. They touch it on you or something. You know. I think literally if you hold some paddles, don't you? Yeah, you hold some paddles and it, it and they ask you to go through the auditing process and uh, we'll get on to it more next with the auditing thing. But yeah, yeah it, it measures you. Forces you to confront negative memories called engrams from your past. Yeah. And then there's alien ghosts called Thetans, but we'll get on to them. Okay. During these auditing processes, the subject holds on to the e-meter while the auditor asks a series of strange questions. When the subject answers, a needle on the meter pings back and forth, this is caused by an electric current, and the auditor then determines whether or not the subject is free from the engrams and can progress to the next level of Scientology. Naturally, this all costs a lot of money. Ah, that's why I'm stumped now. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that have to do with talking to plants? Well, after starting... The Church of Scientology, Hubbard made his way over to England, bought an estate in Sussex and tried impressing local reporters by claiming he was a plant expert. Oh, fuck, man. So he's a plant expert now. Okay. When, in fact, when a photographer showed up, Hubbard tested his e-meter on a tomato. He hooked up the device to the little red fruit and watched the needle go back and forth and then declared that tomatoes feel pain and scream when sliced. What? Naturally, the photo and his outrageous claims attracted quite a bit of publicity, making Hubbard a laughing stock in England until he was kicked out of the country in 1969. Uh, yeah. Possibly, uh, because he's very fucking dangerous too. Because the Church of Scientology infiltrated the US government. Doesn't surprise me. It's an incredibly expensive cult, and it's one that earns hundreds of millions each year. And or one of the keys to making all that sweet money is the church's tax-exempt status. However, Scientology's had a pretty rocky relationship with the IRS over the years, especially when the feds revoked its tax status in 1967. The court was left high and dry until 1993 when the feds reversed their decision. But during those financially weird years, Hubbard waged war against the government, hoping to get revenge on the IRS. And while that might sound like a foolhardy move, the man actually pulled off one of the largest ever infiltrations of the US government. I'd argue behind the Christians. Well, yeah, but that's always been around. He hasn't had much time, has he? No, true. <laughs> Hubbard launched his undercover campaign in 1973, dubbing it Operation Snow White. And while LRH was the man behind the plan, the actual plot was carried out by the Guardian's Office, which is the basically the CIA of the Scientology Church. The group was run by Hubbard's wife, Mary Sue, and Snow White involved Scientologists getting jobs in government buildings and stealing documents related to the cult. Spies also bugged government buildings. And before the church was busted in 1977, there were 5,000 agents wow. stealing thousands of documents from right under Uncle Sam's nose. <laughs> so is there places they meet up? Like churches, churches? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a temple in London. Right, okay. Yeah, mm. we've, we've walked past it on one of the protest marches. There's no, it's a little bit more accepted now, but he's like say, Hubbard was kicked out of England at one point. In Germany, they're not allowed at all. Aren't oh, they? Nope. Uh, the German government considers them a threat to democracy. Probably because of this. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, France are not allowed because they're a cult. French don't do cults. Don't they? No, apparently not. Mm -hmm. No, don't allow them. Oh, they're illegal, should I say. Well, thought they were quite liberal, the French. Well, what, what, what? All cults eventually go evil, though, Mike. Well, yeah. What classes, like, what's the difference between a cult and a religion? I don't think there's a lot. Tax-exempt status. No, just because this was a sort of thought up you know, the most recent thought up, you know. I guess it would be would do with followers. Hmm. If you can claim you've got a few hundred thousand followers, that's probably enough for you to get a religion. I don't think there's a lot of difference. I don't think there's a lot of difference either. Oh, do you mean like philosophically? Yeah. Like, like, oh, in that case, no, there's no fucking difference at all. They're both the same thing. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, if, if Scientology had come out like, you know, I don't know, 500 years ago, it might, you know, by now it might be sort of accepted as... Like Sikhism. Like a strange religion, wouldn't they? You know. Yeah, I guess so. Not like Sikhism, though, that's great. No, that came out 500 odd years ago, didn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, it's not that, that yeah, it's not that old. You know, I argue the Buddhism in its modern form isn't that old. Nah, Buddhism goes way back. Mm. 
Jesus times, wasn't it, before that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's various bits of the Buddha, isn't it? But it's modern form. Sadar too. All right. It's army, wasn't it? I, don't, I, I, I don't know, it's all crap. It's all I rubbish. Like it, it, it's just a following, isn't it? It's just having a following for, you know... Well, you know, the Bible's outlandish, isn't it? Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's outlandish. I'd put it down as being outlandish, and, yeah. And, you know, what he's, what he's like been spouting, it's just out of this world, isn't it? It is. I mean, there's no. I mean, and who would believe? Just like holding on to, like you know, two prongs, would ever tell you if you've, you know, reached a, a level of enlightenment? Who would believe it was a sky wizard in the sky that determines everything and created everything? I know. Yeah, it's God. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get judged by him when you die. And... Yeah. Exactly. People believe a lot of strange things. Strange, People yeah. don't eat certain things. You know. It's gonna be caught, gonna be killed in a certain way. It's like all these little sub rules, and you're like, fucking hell. Can I just have some bacon? Yeah, there's like 600 commandments. We only know of the 10 most. Well, we only follow, we only follow the 10. Yeah. But there's like, yeah, there's another 600. Yeah. Give it 2,000 years, and there's every chance Scientology might be the world's main religion. Who knows? Yeah. You don't know, I mean, Christianity might fall away. Maybe maybe the fucker was actually a prophet and some aliens turn up and say, yeah, they're the Thetans. Who if knows? We, if we find aliens, or when we find aliens, mm. this is going to be more appealing than, than Christianity, isn't oh it? Oh, my God, if I was aliens and I was planning to infiltrate the Earth, I would turn up, I'd read all of his shit, I'd turn up and say, yeah, Elrond was one of us. He was sent here to mm. sow the seeds. Mm. And then I just pretend to be the characters from the story. Or maybe as an alien you'd sow your religion into the into the populace. Yeah, I could just use an existing one. I mean, if it was just a bit, I could just claim to be Jesus. No, but the alien, could have, on. alien could have gave him visions and shit. Oh, yes, that's true, yeah. And then... Or, yeah, you say we, we put yeah. visions in his head or he was one of us. Or, and then when whatever. you come back, you've got this footing already in the... Got foot in your door, haven't you? Yeah, you've got your followers that are going to... And then, they, and, that's the, and then everyone's going to go, all right, so I guess Scientology was the way. And then yeah. all of a sudden you get a load of new converts because the proof is there in front yeah. of your eyes. Before you know it, we'll be kneeling at an altar of an alien god. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd go with that. Because, I mean, it's, yeah, if, if, if the apocalypse happened tomorrow, the religious apocalypse, and Jesus rode out of the sky on a horse with an army of angels... You're not going to say, don't believe in it, and turn your back, are you? You're going to go, holy shit, this, that shit was real, I need to fucking believe again, don't soon I? As soon as them trumpets. That's it, soon as them trumpets sound and, and attack Jesus with his fucking angel or, or sweet staring at the sky, you're probably going to start believing in God. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to tip it for me. <laughs> that, that, would, that would do it for me, yeah. I'd repent everything at that point. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Might take me a while, but yeah. <laughs> So the plot was exposed. Eleven high-ranking Scientologists, including Mary Sue, were tossed behind bars. As for Hubbard, he was listed as an und unindicted co-conspirator and was never charged. In other words, he got away with it scot-free. Oh, shit rolls downhill, though, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> and he had an army of teenage girls. In 1967, Alron Hubbard bought a fleet of ships and created Sea Org, a seafaring sect meant for die-hard Scientologists. Yeah, this is mental. They're, they're like slaves. Yeah, we'll get into this a little bit more next week, but this is just, just a brief backstory. Hubbard took himself up residence on the flagship Apollo and dubbed himself the Commodore. Of course he would. He's living out his naval fantasies. Mm. Now he's got a fleet. He was Apollo again. He was the Greek god of the sun. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Not the Greek god of the moon? No. Okay. But life in the Sea Org wasn't a lot of fun. Hubbard actually created the organisation because he was under criminal investigation in multiple countries. So he figured an extended ocean cruise was just a ticket. And if a Sea Org member committed the slightest infraction, they were severely punished. Some were imprisoned in lockers while others were tossed overboard. <gasps> and it wasn't like you could leave... Sea Org members signed a billion-year contract. <laughs> billion? I imagine the Navy come to you, Claire, and say, right, 
you know, I'm glad you want to come and join the Navy. Just sign this billion year contract. Ah, <laughs> 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 but remember, after all your time with the Sea Org, taking direct tutelage from the Commodore Elron himself, you're going to climb up that scale, aren't you? So once you free yourself, once you're clear completely, you're superhuman. You're going to live forever. A billion years in the scheme of an eternal yeah. life. Yeah, but after a few days, you realise what you got yourself in for. You yeah. work like yeah, a dog. When, when, yeah, when you've been working like a dog and pushed overboard and then presumably picked back up again. Yeah. And you think, oh, I've got a billion years of this. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> at, least what have I done? at least I won't be able to feel the pain when I get clear. They're doing the cooking, the cleaning. Yeah. Everything is working them like dogs, basically. But then a doubt, the weirdest part of Sea Org was the Commodore's messenger organisation and perhaps the most powerful clique in Hubbard's seafaring operation. The messengers were Hubbard's personal assistants, following everywhere and delivering orders to the rest of the ship. And while there are a few boys here and there, for example, current Scientology president David Miscavige was a member, most of the messengers were girls ranging in age from 11 to 16. According to ex-scientologist Kate Borstein, there was nothing explicit going on between Hubbard and the girls, but still he made them do some icky stuff. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit more next week. There is a history of child abuse in Scientology. Uh, what a surprise. Messengers were trained to do on-the-spot impressions of Hubbard when delivering his commands. <laughs> wow. They were also in charge of keeping the temperature in his room just right, following him around with ashtrays, and even dressing him. As the LA Times put it, Hubbard taught them how to sprinkle powder in his socks and gently slip them on so as not to pull the hairs on his legs. Oh, fuck me. They combed his hair, gave him massages and applied skin cream to his face. All for religion. And we mentioned the fact that he was the most prolific author in history. So, you know, some of the book titles are The Green Guard, Buckskin Brigades, The Dangerous Dimension. Uh, one called The Way to Happiness, 70 translations. Most public work by one author, published work, a total of 1,084 books. Fuck, that is impressive. Ooh. I mean, they're probably all bollocks and shit. Oh, yeah, of course they are. They're all bollocks and shit. But they're just enough passable to keep you entertained for, I don't know... For, for an hour or two. For an well, hour or two. If he spin a story like that, I'm sure he could, you know, keep somebody quite engaged, couldn't he? Yeah. That's yeah. bullshit. Although, remember, Hubbard's book sales might have been boosted a little bit because Scientologists own um, swarm stores and they buy as many copies as possible. He allegedly even returned the books to the church's uh, publishing company so they can be sold again. The hustle is real. Mm. Mm. He thought he was a musical genius. Oh, man. Do you want to listen to his song? Yeah. I heard it earlier. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, Alron thought he was a musical genius. We've just listened to the song Thank You For Listening. You can go find that on YouTube. Please do. It's amazing. It sounds like <laughs> Leonard Cohen sing, singing over an S Club 7 song. It's incredible. I think the opening's like a Christmas song, you think, but then you're sort of like, what? What are you talking about? I don't think he even knows, does he? I thought it was wank. But it's a, the dying oh, gasp of a narcissist trying to make himself relevant just for one last fucking grift. It is awful, there's no denying it. And I guarantee you it's really sold because Scientologists would buy it. He fancies himself a musical savant. Composing several albums that boggle the mind but burst the eardrums. Mm-hmm. First album was Space Jazz, released in 1982, and meant to accompany uh, his notorious book Battlefield Earth. Featuring jazz lesson Chick Curio. Do you know who that is? Don't do jazz. No, it could be Corio. Corio, well, uh, there was always a mess of a soundtrack complete with every sound manageable from laser bolts to horse noises. Um, his next three albums are published posthumously. Mission Earth was uh, inspired by his husband's book of the same name. That was performed by Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter, I've heard of him. Is it? Yeah, Edgar Winter band, isn't it? I'm sure I've heard of him. Never heard of him. The Road to Freedom was released in 1986. That was performed by John Travolta and Frank Stallone. Uh... He even makes a cameo from Beyond the Grave in that one. 
Got a song called Lamvoy, thank you for sharing, which is just as amazing as you might expect. Mm. Isn't John Travolta into all Scientology yeah. and that? Yeah, he loves it. Starred in a film, didn't he? Battlefield Earth, killed his career. <laughs> killed his career. I tried watching it. Have you? I think I got about halfway through, man, it's bad. Oh dear. Yeah. It's so bad. At the end, the primitive peoples of Earth find some Harrier jump jets and attack the aliens, beating them off, even though none of them have ever known how to fly in their lives. And mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was all, that was all about Scientology, wasn't that it? That was, that's literally based off, well, that's why John Travolta wanted it made. Yeah. So, yes, although apparently uh, he did get one good band, a, a Scientology jazz band called the Apollo Stars, they performed the board his boat. And they dropped an album called Power of Source. It's apparently pretty catchy compared to Hubbard's later work. Oh, and sorry, these, Hubbard's last album was uh, 2001, The Joy of Creating, featuring Isaac Hayes, Chef, right. and someone called Doug E. Fresh. Do you know who that is? Um, Charles Manson might have been created by him. Uh, Hubbard, he read uh, Hubbard's self-help drum Dianetics and found several ideas to be quite intriguing. He learned new ways to manipulate people. Mm, I, I don't know if you can lay all the blame. Nah, I don't think you can. I think he was also <laughs> a nutcase, but uh, maybe he did learn some stuff. Mm. Apparently, he also briefly converted to Scientology. Well, oh, did you get out of jail though? I was going to say it was not much of a surprise, is it really? So what do you have to do? Is it like church on Sunday or? Well, I guess so. I, d- I don't know. I says it's just you have to go from auditing and maybe you'll go for we'll a week with audit. We'll I get guess. into that next week. Or... Mm. Yeah. We'll do the, the more go into the beliefs more. Uh, so that's that's our run. Still have so many questions, but I think they're gonna be answered next week, aren't they? Yeah, we'll go through Dianetics and their core beliefs and some of the people who've come out against them. Mm. They don't like it when you leave Scientology, they do not like it at all. You know the secrets, you know too much. Yeah. They're a very secretive organisation. Mm. You gotta pay that money, and you know, it'll be like, well, why are these people paying money for something that all the, you know, his his no, spoiler for next week, every single psychologist and mental health professional thinks Dianetics and Scientology is a complete bunch of crap. That's why they hate psychologists. Right. Yeah. Well, just looking at his story, you can tell, you know, the head of of Scientology is not quite the ticket, mm. can't you? So that's probably why you, you know, don't come near me. <laughs> And to think, to do all of that, someone apparently if you challenged him on his live events a bit early because he was a cowboy by eight and he six, he was a Blackfoot blood brother and he went to China and all this, and someone said, you must be like 108 years old and he just used to fucking lose his shit, apparently. He used common deflection tactic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, you call, I'm calling you out on your bullshit and he just launches at you, like, verbally. Yeah. yeah, I think he's quite insane and quite dangerous as well. Well, as I said, Germany does think they're a threat to democracy. I mean, he's infiltrating the US government. Yeah. Guys are fucking... What happens if there's a closet Scientologist running for president next? I know, but we almost had a fundamental Christian and Mike Pence as president. Well, yeah. It doesn't bear thinking of it. It's church and state should be uh, separated. Yep. Yeah. Completely. Otherwise, it's fascism. You know, you're imposing your beliefs on a population then. So, say, like, like Texas. Yep. He's a pathological liar, I agree with that judge. He's just, he's, but if you want to be head of a religion, you've got to be interesting, and you? you can't just be Elrond from Montana. Well, he's definitely an interesting person, you can't deny that. He sucked so many people in, hasn't he? So. Well, he sucks so many people up. <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Parsons thing is my favourite one. That's mad, that is. He's trying to conceive the fucking, they're trying to conceive the Antichrist together, they just. For, I don't know, to try it out. And Parsons used to write letters to Crowley, and Crowley used to write the quite paternal letters back to Parsons, like I was addressing you as my favoured son and stuff like that. He was he was quite well connected to that, Parsons. It was, we've got to do an episode on him one day. Okay, so we do some fucked up facts? Yeah. yeah. Got the theme tune, please. Facts, facts, facts fucked up facts, facts, facts. 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 Facts, facts. We'll do this at the start of L. Ron Hubbard now. <laughs> facts, facts, fucked up facts. <laughs> Can anyone guess who was voted the least cool nationality in 
Ooh, least cool. Yep. Germany. Very close. Austrian. Still close. Oh. Russian? No, a bit further away. Just trying to think of the most boring. Albania. European nation. Switzerland. Close. Luxembourg. Very close. San Marino. <laughs> further away. I'm that Andorra. Angel. Switzerland or Poland. Nope. It's, it's one of them tiny little countries that no one gives a shit about. No, well, they're, they're a fairly small country, but they're quite well known. Oh, right. Finland? Nope. Did we just tell you? Yeah. yeah. Belgians. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll go with that. I totally agree. <laughs> why are they not? Un why are they so uncool? Because Belgian, yeah, Belgian. it's like they're home to the EU, aren't they? It's very dull, isn't it? It's bureaucratic. Yeah. Of course, I'd still rather be in the EU. Even the Belgians are dull. But you know, can't have everything. After a bad mescaline trip. Jean-Paul Sartre started seeing three or four crabs around him all the time. Fuck. Whoa. He would talk to him in the morning. Good morning, my little ones. <laughs> How did you sleep? <laughs> and during the day, we're going into the class now, so you have to st be still and quiet. <laughs> and did they behave? That's what I want to know. I could be doing without them watching me while I'm having a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Maybe they clean your arsehole for you. Yeah. <laughs> a little oh, pincers. Oh, no, I don't want that. Take the turns away. <laughs> I'm struggling with you pinch this one up for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, they snip your balls, my mistake. <laughs> I'm not a biscuit. <laughs> well, that's mental. That's one hell of a bad trick. Don't be mescaline. <laughs> yeah, don't do mescaline, kids. Yeah. It's not really big over here, is it? No. No, because it's from a plant, isn't it? In Mexico, isn't it? A cactus, isn't it? I've no idea. I think so. In 2004, Swedish authorities deployed emergency services to provide a condom ambulance. Cool. If you needed a condom urgently, you'd call them for an emergency condom delivery. No way. What an immense waste of state resources. In one way it is, isn't it? But you just, just you can buy see, a, if you're on a fucking hot date, just take the condom with you. You know, if she's your partner, get her on the pill. I don't know. Anything to avoid wearing the condom, really. I wonder how much usage that got. Like Hopefully service. once. The, 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 the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been, been stupid. God. <laughs> I wonder how many. How yeah. Many, Pregnancies, it did, uh, you know, reduce. Yeah. True. Or sexually transmitted diseases. Apparently Welsh dolphins have Welsh accents. What the fuck? <laughs> it's not Welsh accent, though, is it? It's not a Welsh accent. It's just, they just sound a bit different off the coast of Wales than they do anywhere else. They're not going... Yeah, it doesn't sound Welsh. English Welsh, yeah. You know, ones they might find. They're different to uh, other dolphins. And so, you know, they've just got just the weirdos of the dolphin world, aren't they? Got an accent. I should imagine they all sound a little yeah. bit different because of the climates they're in. Mm. Yeah. Plus, they probably evolved a bit differently. Yeah, if you live in Florida, you're going to be a bit more like. What, yeah. sunglasses and a Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> yeah. The Welsh one, it's, it's got a rugby top on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, I want to see that show. I want to see the world, but if it was ran, but if it was dolphins, it's the dolphin world. I want to see that dolphin world war one and two. It's reminiscent of it, that Simpsons episode, isn't it? Oh, where the dolphins attack and take over, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love that one. Yeah, that was a good episode. Chase of Horror. What are you next then? I've got a fact that Pepsi once had the 33rd world's largest navy. Pepsi did? Yeah. Yeah, I'll do it on uh, Anthology of the Strange. The basic gist of it is that the Soviets loved Pepsi mm -hmm. and they used to pay Pepsi a lot of money and then they went bankrupt and, they, but, and the Pepsi supplies stopped because they couldn't afford to pay the imports and that. So they paid, they gave Pepsi a lot of uh, old Russian Navy ships. They had the weapons and that taken off. Yeah. And yeah, they were just like, 
yeah, these are worth this much, please start importing the Pepsi again. And they're there like a fleet of like a, well, it's like a few destroyers and little gunboats and stuff. Obviously no weapons, but... Mm. Yeah, there you go. Pepsi once had like a massive naval fleet, which they should have used to obliterate Coca-Cola. <laughs> nah. In the great Coca-Cola wars of 2001. Now that's a cola war. <laughs> Your boudoir yes. was originally your sulking room. Makes a lot of sense for teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, a good old sulk in the boudoir. Yeah. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> well. It didn't sound like it. <laughs> Go to bed to rest your head, don't you? Mm. The Indri Indri, a species of lemur found in Madagascar, is the only known non-human mammal to have a sense of musical rhythm. Wow. So let's get a load of them leavers in a band. <laughs> see what happens. Yep. Nothing's going to happen. I want to be it? like you. There you go. If the jungle would stop in one thing, Claire, so animals can sing. <laughs> no, you said that... The evidence is insurmountable. The only ones that can't... Like, no, they can. Oh, they can? Yeah. Oh, the other ones can't? Yeah. Oh, right, eh? Well, bears can sing, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> Foxes. Bears can sing. I saw Baloo singing. Uh. <laughs> Tigers. Chimpanzees. <laughs> snakes, to an extent. Uh, in Robin Hood, the Disney version, I'm sure there's a fox singing at some point. That means some sort of like, zoologist goes around playing music for, to different animals to see if they dance. I guess so. Cool job. <laughs> <laughs> These ones don't dance. <laughs> I've played every time a music out where they won't dance. <laughs> In medieval Europe, royal courts often had a special person called Mustardarius. Mm -hmm. He was in charge of growing and preparing mustard. What a job. I'm a Mustardarius. 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 <laughs> Bring me forth the specially grown mustard. I must warn you, my lord, this one's a bit harder than usual. And according to a 1985 paper, everything takes 2.71 times as long as you think it will. I can mm. believe that. Mm, yeah, okay. Only stuff I don't want to do, though. <laughs> yeah. Usually, all the stuff I want to do, there's not enough time. <laughs> that seems to last way shorter than I want it to. <laughs> but, you know, way shorter. <laughs> <laughs> A long lockdown. <laughs> yeah, so the stuff I don't want to do lasts forever, yeah. There you go. Yep. Well, the stuff I do want to do, at the time where I do nothing, that goes too fast. Apparently, you likely overestimate how interesting you are to talk to, but underestimate how good you are at dancing. <laughs> well, I am known to be a dancer, even though I don't. Disco Band, remember? He's dead, don't remember. I killed him. You strap up the bar these days. I, I do, I will dance if I'm drunk enough. That is, <laughs> I will dance if I'm drunk enough, definitely. Yeah, I can't dance. You only you know, you think you can't. I know I can't. And finally, being infected with a parasite from cat poop makes you more likely to start a company. What? What? Yep. Well, do, you get, about... do you get the smarts of a cat? No, no, there's this um, parasite in cat poo mm -hmm. that they get from a mouse. Yeah. Right. It infects the mouse's brain. Okay. It makes it take more risks. Okay. So it's more likely to get caught by a cat. Yeah, oh. so the cat ingests the mouse with this parasite, yeah. goes through the poop. Human beings clean up the cat poo, don't wash their hands properly. Yeah. They get this. Parasite, which they think like 50% of the world has got it, it makes them take more risks and things. Our rabbit's got to cut that. Yeah. He's been licking cat's asses as well. Licking cat's asses for Satan. <laughs> that would explain why the Egyptians were quite ambitious, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. They loved a cat and they loved a, a complicated building. That would explain a lot. I mean, because they weren't washing their hands after they picked up the cat shit, were they? 
Well, I should imagine they had like standards, didn't they? Well, no, but I mean, they're not washing them properly. They're not using like yeah. hand sanitizer and that. Yeah. I think it's called toxoplasmosis or something. Ooh. And they reckon that 50% was a high percentage anyway of the population have got this. So, Mike, as a cat owner, yeah, well, can you tell me why you haven't started a business yet? <laughs> I haven't got it, obviously. <laughs> you need I'll to wash my hands. Well, clearly, you need to fucking get it. Mm. <laughs> Catching sandwiches for tea, days. <laughs> This time next year I'll be a millionaire! <laughs> Mike's Catch It Sandwich Emporium! Yeah. Start a viral video on YouTube, man, I'm going to be an influencer. <laughs> you know what? If you can get, if people are eating tidal ponds and using drill and glue on their hair, why the fuck can't you get them to eat Catch It? I bet Elrond could have. He could have. Channel his spirit. It, take over the world! <laughs> yep. <laughs> Elrond did eat catch it at some point. Possibly, allegedly, maybe. This time next year I'll be a billionaire. Well, you'll be paying for us to go to space in five years. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's end the show. I am Ben. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook. Please follow us on there. It's cutting the ball in the PTA. And on YouTube, we are a pop. We are no. pockets ball. Yeah, on Facebook, right. Cutting to the ball in the post apocalypse. Ah, cutting the ball in the PTA on SoundCloud. Yep. <laughs> Couldn't fit the name in, could we? No. <laughs> Damn you, SoundCloud. It's pay for premium, you get shit. And on that note, I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't do the flavour aid and don't join a cult, especially Scientology. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it dribbles out your ears, guys. <laughs> Don't do Scientology. Yeah, repeat. <laughs> Eat your catching sandwiches and stuff. Fuck, get a business going. Call your own call. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>